again to worship in the Lord and to praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a blessing. Good to have everyone back. Got them coming back from Florida and all over the place. What a blessing. Amen. Todd, it's good to have you back, brother. Uh, good to be back. Okay, good. We're great. It's really gracious to have you. You start a new job tomorrow, I understand. So I'm excited about that for you. And, uh, Amen. So he's starting a new job tomorrow, so he, want, he wants to feel uh, peace we'll about it. Yeah, yeah. What a blessing, huh? Yes, the Lord just gave you that, just just get, dropped it in your lap, didn't he, Todd? Todd, do you ever get a job by just applying on, online and never even seeing a person? Well, I didn't apply online. I'd spoken to uh, one of the hiring coordinators for one the day before I left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a blessing. Came as a surprise to you, didn't it? You know, we'll seek first God in his kingdom, the scripture says, that all of our needful things will be taken care of. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful uh, Todd, because I was uh, real concerned and uh, was really going to miss you leaving to go to Florida. And I'm so glad that God had you come back and be with us and, uh, and be back home with us. I like you that. Know, I wasn't good that you realize and you saw it, you know, and you didn't follow that same path. You knew what the light was and you continue in that. So praise the Lord, Todd. That's good, you know, that you're doing that. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, uh, if what's going on, guys? Everything, everybody okay? Everybody doing good? Yeah, we're doing okay. Good. Praise the Lord. Anybody have something in their heart tonight? Hallelujah. Good to have you this morning with us, Linda. What a yeah. blessing. <laughs> got Hallelujah. Yeah, Linda, I think you've been joining every morning. Braxton was with us this morning. Oh, yeah. uh, Cedric was with us this morning. What a blessing. So as we uh we have service guys and uh the guys on Skype now, I think most of them are uh, are on Skype in the morning uh with us, so it's a blessing to uh to have them and have them back again with us this evening. Very, very thankful uh, to have each one and all those that join in on YouTube as well. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we pray for you every day uh, and, and uh, want God to just bless your lives and help you in your walk. Uh, uh, anybody have anything? Y'all ready to go to 1 John? Okay, let's go to 1 John. The book of 1 John. Everybody have a Bible? Anybody who need a Bible? Uh, would you get your mom one, Jill? Here, baby, use, use her Bible so she can, uh, King, good old King James Version right here. It's quicker to do this. Oh, yeah, but she probably can see that better. All right. We've been in the book of 1 John. Uh, no, we hadn't been in the book of 1 John. We just finished the book of 2 Peter last week. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, very interesting book. Talk, talked about... Uh, what man or person ought we to be if we know that all these things are going to be dissolved, uh, that all the uh, things of the earth and heaven, the sky and the earth are going to melt with fervent heat. God said he came back the first time, one time when he destroyed the earth with a uh, flood, and, but the second time uh, the earth and heaven are reserved for fire in the last day. It's going to burn all up. So he says, don't have your hope in this world. Uh, have your hope in the, with the Lord because this is not going to last. <laughs> Hallelujah. He even says that he said, set your treasure in heaven where rust and dust cannot, cannot corrupt. Uh, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is here on this earth, you're going to be very disappointed. Now, Terry, it's got to be in the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, so, so we went through that last week and very, very uh, interesting. And a lot of people had a lot of good things to say. And I appreciate everybody's comments. This week, we're going to start the book of 1 John. I'm excited about that. 1 John is just really, really loaded. Um, uh, tell me, uh, somebody tell me, 
in the book of First John, <clears throat> what books did John, this same John, write besides First John? Anybody can tell me that? Revelation. He wrote the book of Revelation. Any other? John. The book of John, yeah. Any other? That's right. So he wrote how many books? He wrote uh, five. Yeah, five different books. So when we look at John, we can be thinking about the other writings that he wrote are very similar sometimes to 1 John. Of course, there's, there's many more chapters in the book of John, but you'll see some similarity in the writings of John of what he was speaking. Very, uh, uh, very great man of God. Um, he was the one that the Lord called his beloved. He was always laying in the uh, bosom of Jesus. He was very, very close to the Lord. Love the Lord very much. And here we find John writing in the letter, and we also find him writing a letter in the book of Revelation, where he has the revelation. Lord, it was said that in the Fox's, Fox's Book of Mortars that John was, um, that all the disciples may just about had been martyred, and they went to martyr John, and they threw him in boiling oil, and it didn't kill him, so they took him and put him on this little island called the Isle of Patmos. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation, the 22 chapters of Revelation of the revelation of what's going to happen in future times. He says those things are going to happen in future times. And we're on our way to book of Revelation, so hang tight. But before we get to Revelation, we're going to read the book of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, Jude, and then we'll be in the book of Revelation. So we'll start out in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen our eyes with our eyes, which we have looked upon in our hands of handled of the word of life. So they're describing of being with Jesus, that they actually were with him, saw him, touched him, was there with him. So before we get started, I want to ask um, uh, Don, would you, uh, would you mind opening up any prayer first, brother? Thank you, Lord. It's good to be back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for this day. Uh, praise and worship, Father. We thank you for uh, this wonderful day that you created to put before us, Father. And we praise you. 24-7, Father, we praise you all the time Amen. with our with our life, Father, and how we act. Uh, we, uh, we pray for all the situations that are out there in the world, Father, the ones that don't know you, Father, we ask that you reveal yourself to them, Father, through your word, Father. And, um, we thank you for this time together, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Don. I appreciate that. Uh, so here he's describing uh, uh, that he was with the Lord. John uh, had everyday experiences with the Lord for three and a half years. And he's talking about that, listen, we, we were with him. We know what he said. And, and we're proclaiming what he said, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And the church is made up of many members. We come together as a church tonight, uh, even with Skype, YouTube, and us as a church. And Christ is the head. He is the authority of the church. All we do as, as teachers, uh, evangelists, pastors, and so forth, or leaders and teachers, we minister, we just minister what God has already said because it's his word that counts. Uh, man's opinion is not worth a lot, but what God says is what we live by. So as we, we bring these words forth, John wrote these words as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, 16, it says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God would be thoroughly furnished, perfect unto every good work. So as we read these things, we read those words come alive. He quickens those words to us by the spirit of the living God. So be attentive to the words. Listen for the spirit to speak to you and what God is saying through these words. And, and for, most of all, use them as application in your life. It's not to just be read and known, it's to be lived. So as we read, read these words, we say, okay, does my life fit what this says? If it doesn't, then, then correct it. Humble yourself, correct your life to that, which is called repentance, and, and live that life. So he says, verse 2, he says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you uh, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we've seen and heard declared we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and I want you to note this, this part of it here. It says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So who's, who is John having fellowship with he's talking about here? He said, our fellowship is truly with his Son and, and with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John is proclaiming that he is in the present state 
of having fellowship with the Father and his Son. And, and look what he says next. And these things write me unto you that your joy may be full. Remember in John 16, Jesus said, you have not asked me anything yet, but you, when you do ask me, you shall receive it, and, I will get, and you will have joy that no man can take away. So this is a joy that comes with having fellowship with the Father and his Son that John is proclaiming here. And he says, verse 5, This then is the message which you have heard of him, and declaring to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. What in the world does that mean? Turn with me to one of the other books that John wrote, and let's go to John chapter 3. No, John chapter 3. Puts a John on the other end of John. <laughs> Not in front of me, behind it. John chapter 3, this, and Jesus says this in verse 18. He said, he that believes on, on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So what's darkness and what's light? It says men love darkness rather than light. What does that mean? Evil. Okay, evil. Okay. Uh, way of the world. Way of the world. Sin. What was it? Sin. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Matter of fact, in the scripture in, in, um, in Matthew 5, it says, if your eye be single, your whole body's full of light. So if your eye is single on the Lord, nothing else, then your body's going to be full of light. Then that means you're not going to have any sin, right? But, but take note here, it says that men, that Jesus came in the world, but men love darkness. They love sin more than they love righteousness because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil, everyone that sins hates the light. Wow. That's a strong statement, isn't it? Some, if you ask somebody who's sitting there, they say, well, yeah, I sin. But you ask them, well, do you hate, do you hate Jesus? They probably tell you no. But the Bible says, yes, you do. Yeah. Neither, neither do they come to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be reproved. Most people don't want anybody to tell them about their sin, anybody to tell them what the, what the result of their sin is, and that they are a sinner. Why? Because it reproves them. It makes them feel guilty. It makes them feel like, I don't want to think about that. I, that you know, leave me alone. You know, they, they're all about the world because they love darkness. They want to continue in that darkness. <clears throat> It says, for everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Praise the Lord. I'm going back to the first John now. Okay? But I wanted to I wanted to show what light, I want you to understand what light and darkness is. I know you know that, a lot of you know that, but just for the sake of if anybody doesn't. We're going to see what light is. Because when, when he says in verse 5 of chapter 1 of 1 John, he says, this is the message which we heard of him and declaring to you that God is light. So what could I say? God is righteousness. God is holiness. God is no sin. Right? So that's what we're saying. God is light. There's no, and there's no darkness. And that means there's no sin in God. In God there's no sin. Right? So that would be the same thing. And then he says, okay, now let's go to verse 6. Important verse. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Let's park at this verse for a little while. So if I'm saying I'm a Christian, but I'm sinning, what am I doing? I'm lying. I'm doing not the truth. Right? You, you understand that? He's saying that if we say that we have fellowship. Now, I heard some people say up a little higher, a few verses higher than this, I heard some people saying they had fellowship with the Father and the Son, right? You remember what we read when I said, remember this in verse, uh, verse 3? He, John says, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here it's saying, if we say that we have fellowship, that's what they did. They said they had fellowship with him. And they walk in darkness, they'd be lying and do not true. So if John was saying that, hey, man, we got, we got fellowship with the Father and the Son but they were walking in any darkness, they would have been lying and the truth wasn't in them. But they said, we have fellowship with the Father and His Son. That means they were walking in what? Darkness. The light. 
righteousness, right? They were not walking in darkness. So first of all, and, and then he says, um, he said before that, he, he, well, right then that, he says um, that you, he's pointing out to them in verse 3, he says, we're talking to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Like as if they weren't really having fellowship with these people that they're talking to at this point. You see what I'm saying, Don? Say, I want you to have fellowship with us. And then he explains, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. Then we read down here and he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So you see how it all fits together and the light and the darkness and all this. So he's saying really some deep, a lot of stuff here. He's talking about light. He's talking about darkness. He's talking about fellowship. He's talking about not having fellowship with him. And he's talking about a joy and, and, and some people that don't have joy. He says he's trying to, to talk to these people. Keep in mind, at this time, there was a group of people that uh, lived in his day that uh, a lot of disciples were having to contend with. And they were called the... Gnostics, that's right. They were the Gnostics. What did the Gnostics believe? The Gnostics believed that um, well, they believed that they, they sinned. They believed that their flesh was sinning, but their spirit was alive. Very good. These group of, this group of people believed that you could not, that no one could, could in the flesh not sin. Same thing a lot of people believe today, right? They think their flesh did not sin. So they didn't really believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, that, he, that he had really come because they, they believed that uh, uh, you, your flesh could not help but sin. But they believed that their spirit wasn't sinning. So they, didn't, they believed they didn't have any sin because they don't look at the flesh. They say, you know, even though my flesh may be fornicating, I'm not in it. You know, I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, so they, they were denying that they had sin even though their flesh was sinning. What a mix-up, huh, Braxton? <laughs> they, were, they were a mess. And that's the kind of doctrine they, was te- they were teaching. It's funny that, that the people that teach today have, the, have adopted some of the same teachings of the Gnostics today. So, he's, so John is here uh, um, basically contending with them to share with them that, uh, you know, you need to come and just be honest, you know, that, that you, know, you need to honestly say that you, you, know, you sinned. Because everybody has what? Has sinned in the past. Yeah, hold up. We're going to take it verse by verse, okay? <laughs> getting a little bit ahead well, of it. I mean, I, 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 go, I, I share this a lot, and when I get to that, it's a very sticking point, because I understand that the 10, if we say we have not sinned, I guess we're going to get to it. Right? Sir? We're going to get to it, right? Yeah, we're going to get to it. Yeah, okay. Go ahead, Ben. No, no, go ahead. Just cut me off so Okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. Go ahead. Keep, keep saying what you're it's saying. It's a very valid deal because I understand that Tim said if we say that we have not sinned, which is Gnostics, formed towards the Gnostics, I get that. But in verse 8, it says if we say that we have no sin, mm-hmm. we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right. So is that a Gnostic thing or is that a... Because they didn't believe they had any sin. And he was saying if you say you have no sin, you lie and do not the truth. Right, I know. But okay. And that's what they were saying. That's what the Gnostics were saying. Yeah, that's right. So he was saying you have. So this is directed 100% to the Gnostics. To anybody that believes that they have no sin, that they didn't sin in the past. But that isn't, that's not what the script, though. That verse doesn't say sin, it says sin. And I'm in the King James. Yeah. Actually, the word no there also means, it also is the same word that's used in verse, um, and I know we had verse 10. Where it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So it's the same word there. And a lot of times in Scripture, it will repeat those things again. But what John is trying to do in the, in the um, as he's coming down here, that's why I wanted to take it context by context as we go. Yeah. He's basically going back and forth. He says, our fellowship's with the Father and the Son. I, would, I wish that you had fellowship with us. Well, if they were living righteously, they would have fellowship with him because, because, because they walk in, in the light. Yeah. And then he goes back and he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're lying and the truth's not in us. Then the next verse he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship uh, one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. You're going to find in the book of 
in the book of 1 John, uh, and we're going to get to verse 8 now, you're going to find in, in the book of 1 John, right. verse, verse 8. Okay. Okay. I just read it. I just read it. You didn't hear me read it? Yeah. Yeah, we did. I read it. Very good, Larry. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Huh? Okay, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all, from, from all sin. So if you're walking in, in truth, you're walking into victory, then his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, cleanses you from all your past sin. That's what that's talking about. Okay, then if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, let's go back. And just face value, if he was just talking to anybody, and it, that everybody was like, first of all, you'd have to go back to verse, to verse five, 3, and you'd have to say that when John is saying that he's having, having fellowship with the Father and the Son, you would have to say John's lying. Wait, say that again. Okay, John said that truly our fellowship is with his Father and his Son. Jesus Christ, right? Okay, but it says if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Therefore, that would make verse 8 completely off. That would make you think, well, John's lying if you took it at face value. Okay? Well, he says something really similar in the next chapter. He does, yeah. Right. He says if you say that you know him and keep do not what he commands, then you're a liar and the truth ain't in I mean, I follow follow what you're saying 100%. it's just that, and then it says that, uh, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. It cleanses from all sin. All your past sin. Then, right, and I'm not going into the future, I'm not saying that. And then it says, but then it comes back and says, but if you say you have no sin, we deceive ourselves when the truth is not in He's trying to get these people to come around and admit that they need to have a place of repentance in their life. So that they can move forward. Because let's go to the next verse. Okay, we're going to read all the verses around it to really get a contextual understanding of what that verse is saying. Next verse says in verse 9, it says that if we confess our sin. So what is he trying to get them to do? To confess their sin. If we confess our sin, uh, it says he is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness, all sin. So if, you, if a person did that, okay, and then they, then they said, hey, you know what? I just confessed my sin. And the Bible says that Jesus said that he forgives me for all my sin and cleanses me from, from all unrighteousness, from all sin. And you ask that person, Todd, you say, hey, do you have any sin in your life? What would he say? What would you say? If you just confessed them and you believed what the verse said, would you have any sin in your life? No. no. So you just, hey, you just sex out verse 8. So the context is that he is speaking to people that fully believe that they have no sin and that they've never sinned. That's right. They never so sinned. That's really the context. They never sinned. That's right. Because, so when I'm sharing this and I read this, I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on. You just read. We've been through this a million and one times. But yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this is, this is a verse a lot of people that, 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 have, that go with false doctrine use. They cherry picked that one verse out of it. And my, it, it, it fascinates me to, to hear that because if you read the book of 1 John, 1 John is so powerful about not sinning, yeah. you know, about walking in righteousness. And it's so powerful. So, um, so you see, like it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And to cleanse us from all sin, all unrighteousness. So, as we've talked talked about before, there's a um, there's a godly sorrow and a repentance just under salvation. Second Corinthians seven ten. So here it, it says this. So then it goes verse in verse ten. It says, "If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us." And and some will even say, being in, in verse. 8 and verse 10 are really a, a repeat of what is, is being said because the word no actually means, and I looked it up in the Greek, it, it actually says not. If you say you have not sinned, you say you, you um, 
Well, regardless, I kind of understand the context. I'd like to see where one would find, you know, how the Gnostics, and I, I've researched it a little bit, but um, a person just reading the Bible word for word, where do you go and find uh, really what was taking place in all that stuff? Well, you can, you can go in history, number one. You can also go throughout the book of 1 John. He says, he that, um, he that does not believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is an antichrist, he says in, in chapter 4. So he's talking about uh, people that uh, they, could, they believe that because um, Christ meant Messiah, that no one could come in the flesh and not sin. You know, that the flesh would, the flesh would sin, but their spirit wouldn't. So anyway, it's... it's, 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 it's you know, anybody that has a problem doesn't really believe that scripture because if a man is cleansed from all unrighteousness he's perfect before the Lord yeah there's no yeah. unright there's no unrighteous what he's going to do with it then yeah there's no unrighteous really good point yeah. Talk to all of us, Cedric, if you don't mind. Would you sit up and t tell me what you're saying? So basically where it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, confess your sin and forsake it, that you be cleansed from it. It's the same thing as you mentioned before, coming to the light that your deeds may be exposed. And so you confessing it in action is you coming to the light. Jesus is the light. Okay. Uh, any more questions on any of that so far? No, I, I think that's a good understanding. Good. Good. And that's important that you're gonna under, that you want to understand that because you're gonna you're gonna um, encounter that as you share with people. They'll use that verse to try to excuse their sin. Yeah, they will. And yeah. and you want to understand that well. Uh, but it's very simple if you just read the preceding verses. And the uh, forwarding verses, and really through the whole book of 1 John, it's very clear what John is talking about. He's not making an excuse for sin. Matter of fact, the next verse, uh, chapter 2 of verse 1, he says, My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. The whole purpose of me writing to you is that you don't sin. You see, so if you weren't capable uh, if, you, if, you, if you weren't capable of not sinning, he certainly wouldn't be writing a letter. He'd say, well, no, there's no use of me writing this letter. But he's writing a letter so that you don't sin. So if you don't sin, then, then uh, obviously that verse is not meaning what some people think uh, by, by the rest of the verses that, be, that are being said. And, of course, he says, uh, uh, he says, uh, my little child, writing these things that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father the righteous one, Jesus Christ. Now, keep in mind, there's no chapters in Greek, and I think Cedric talked on this one, uh, one Sunday we had. He spoke about it, how these all run together. This is part of the repentance, part of the turning. It's not where you come and you, uh, you, you uh, he says, if any man sin. He doesn't say when you sin. He says, if any man sin. So one thing, it's not something that's being done. Uh, over and over again where somebody's saying, well, I, I'm repenting and I'm believing, I'm repenting and I'm believing. No, this is part of the, of the repentance. Uh, or else you'd be able to say, well, then let's just throw out Hebrews 10, 26 or 2 Peter 4 that talks about, um, you know, if we, if we sin willfully, there's no more sacrifice for our sin. So he's saying here that, yes, you do have an advocate. You come to Jesus, and, but you don't crucify the Lord over and over again. You leave, you've left your sin. Repent means to change your mind. You're not going there anymore. In other words, verse 1 is a reiteration of verse 9. Verse 9 is a reiteration of verse 19 in John 3. Yeah, that's right. Come to the light. You confess your sin. You're cleansed. He, really, he reiterated himself between these two chapters three times. Between verse 3 and 7. Between verse 7 and 10. Yeah, I wish when you talk, you come in. I don't think the people can hear you on, on the thing. You're talking real low, huh? No, uh -uh. I don't think so. I can't. Yeah, yeah. 
You're talking really low and you're way back there. People are not hearing what you're saying. You know, so, so we're reading that in uh, Isaiah 't right. it's, not, it's not to be and a lot of people taking it that way and they think first of all they think well you you come and you have this process of sanctification where you're going to get better and better so you just keep uh, messing up and then asking God to forgive you and then mess up and then asking God to forgive you and that's the life that most of us lived before that's a life of Romans 7 where the things I want to do I end up not doing the things I don't want to do I end up doing uh, that's a life of, of an unre- unregenerated person. That has not um, that has not been regenerated. The life of a believer is uh, like in uh, we said in Galatians five twenty four, it says that uh, those that are Christians, those that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. Uh, you're not go- a wishy washy back and forth to sin and into righteousness. Uh, no, you leave your sin. That's what repentance is. It said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are past and all things become new. You don't do those things you've done before. And I think that's a major... Um, people don't want to crucify the flesh. Okay? They want to keep on doing what, what they want to do. Well, the, well like, like he said, we read in John chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light. That's, that's what it boils down it to. It's not priority. You know? yeah. And if he's not priority... You have to have to to be a true uh, to be a believer. And there's only one believer; it's a true believer. To be a, a real believer, you have to want this bad. It's not something that you're just going to lackadaisically walk in, tippy toe into the kingdom of God, and think, "Well, I can just keep my life and and have life." Jesus made it very clear. He said, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, forget about himself. He'll lose his life. But if he loses his life for my sake, he'll truly be saved." Outside of losing your life in Christ. You can't have salvation. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and die, it abides alone. Unless uh, you can't put new wine in, into an old wineskin, you have to become a new wineskin. Over and over, Jesus talked about a loss of your personal life to where we're not part of the kingdom of this world. That's why sometimes I, I warn certain ones. I say, don't get so involved in this world. This is not your kingdom. This is not your world. Let the world take care of the world. You're, you've got your, your affection set on those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's where your, your feelings, your compassions, your understanding is. Don't worry about when we got a lot going into the world and you can, and don't be a voice for the world. Be a voice for Jesus Christ and speak his word because that's what we are. We're not, we're not of the kingdom of this world anymore. We're of the kingdom of eternal life with the Lord. So our minds and our thoughts are heavenly, not earthly. He's purchased from our old sins also. It's in 2 Peter 1, yeah. Sin unto death. This is not the um, the 
not the master class or the way or the step-by-step process to get back in the kingdom. Not the solution. It's not the solution. That's the word I'm looking for. They don't just run to verse 2 after you just committed the sin of death. Most likely, if they committed the sin of death, which which is obviously in 1 John 5, we'll read up on that, everyone. But the scripture talks about if a person commits the sin of death after becoming a child of God, after being born again. It's in several different places. He mentioned one, which is Hebrews 10, 26. There's another place, which is 2 Peter 4. There's also another place in Ezekiel, the Old Testament, verse uh, chapter 18, 20 through 24. It talks about the person turns from their righteousness, what happened to them. And so there are people that really do believe after committing a sin unto death. Most people like to use the word practice, sins unto death. But it's really if you commit a sin unto death, that's the whole point of abiding. When you abide in the Lord, you do not willfully sin against the Lord. If you're abiding in the Lord, the state of abiding. Since it's been remitted. I'm sorry? Yeah, from the word remit. Remit. Yeah. So as if we've never done it before. That's why you're perfect, morally. And many people don't believe that because they haven't died to themselves or to believe it or to understand it. You can't understand it if you haven't died. That's number one. Your mind is cluttered. You have to die first to understand it. Just read the scripture. But once you actually die, to actually understand what it says, you begin to live it out. You hear me, Terry? Yeah. That's what that's what I think what, what, to sum it up, what uh, Cedric is trying to say is that uh, also that um, if you play a, a, um, a, a life of in and out of sin, uh, especially sins unto death, you're playing a very, a very, very dangerous role. And I find it happens, this has happened, um, I think it should have happened to me myself, but God had mercy on me because... Um, when you play a sin unto death, you, you, what happens is your heart becomes calloused. The scripture defines it in 1 Timothy 4 that, it, that you, you sear your conscience with a hot iron. And this is very, very dangerous, uh, Cedric, because what happens is you, 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 you don't have the conviction or the, um, you, uh, the prompting of your conscience. It doesn't even see it hardly as wrong anymore. It just accepted that sin. Very, very, very dangerous condition to get in. So when, when you end up telling people, uh, and you're supposed to be looked up to as a preacher or a pastor, and you're telling people and uh, giving them any excuse for their sins, and then they begin to excuse it themselves and thinking, well, everybody does it, and they're doing it, they, they, you, you'll notice uh, what happens in that person is it doesn't even bother them anymore. And I think society as a whole has come to that whole thing because uh, it not only does it not bother them, but uh, even other people doing it doesn't bother. It's a well-accepted thing today, and, and many of us have done it in the past, and, and uh, thank God he delivered us, and, and we realized our wrong and repented from it. But, for instance, uh, uh, unmarried people living together and in, in having uh, uh, sex, uh, it's just, you know, they don't, it doesn't even, it's like it's a normal thing. I hear parents even saying, you know, well, you know, why don't y'all live together before y'all get married and make sure everything's fine. Th- these kind of things is just like your, their consciences are seared with hot iron because they don't, Linda, you, you, Barbara, you guys are older, and Larry and Terry, I don't know about you, y'all just live a really lot while I but But, you know, when we were young, guys, you remember if somebody, a man and a woman, were living together outside of marriage, it was like... A, to do, to boo, it was like horrible, you know. I mean, you, uh, everybody talked about it. it. Was well, you know, maybe not so much as California, but here in Louisiana, it was, you know. But but wasn't it? I mean, and, and in our previous generation, before.
Who? It was unheard of. No way. No way. Divorces were unheard of. I mean, it was just a terrible thing. Homosexuality was was unheard of. Abortion was unheard of. All these things. And when you raised up in this, you, younger people, you know, you, you raised up in it, you, you don't realize it, but we lived in a generation that this was no way. I mean, it was un, unheard of. But, but now you see how not only man individually has calloused their hearts or seared their consciousness, but the whole society of mankind is in that realm now. So I'm going to share this with you because uh, it's relevant. So there are people out there that um, I, I run into on a daily basis that are just skewed. Well, they don't serve your seek, and they believe in their in their heads possibly. They tell me that well, God sees us as married, so um, we don't really have to go get married. Because see, I believe that God sees us as married, and so it's things like that that I run into all the time that they have these ideas and these thoughts that are completely anti-scriptural. Ben, ben every, every sin about that you could think of is always justified in a person's mind one way or another. The homosexual <laughs> person will say that, hey, I was, I, I'm, in a man, I'm a woman in a man's body. You know I was what I mean? born that way. And, yeah, I was born that way. So every sin, a person justifies that sin in their own minds to feel good about it. And other people today, as a whole of society, do it right along with them because the calloused minds and the conscious that are seared, and the sin is just accepted. Men love darkness rather than light. Oh, any of you guys have any comment to bring in on this? I know you do, Wes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it does. It does say that. It says that they will call good evil and evil good. Go ahead, Wes. I like that red shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, any excuse that anybody can come up with is definitely seems to be the, uh, the our day and age. And Second uh, Timothy chapter three, you know, that's going along with. Uh, you know, people calling good evil and evil good is my dog's getting excited. Um, it's, it's is the perilous times will come. You know, dangerous times where people will be lovers of themselves more than and rather rather than lovers of God. Okay. <laughs> We're not laughing at you, brother. We're laughing at that little dog nipping on you in the back. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Ooh, it looks like we're storming out there. <laughs> in, in, verse, um, in verse 4. Verse what? In verse 3 through 4, in the second chapter, since we moved there. Okay. It says, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a lie, and true sign is. And so we read in chapter 1 how these people was having fellowship with God. Okay? In fellowship with God, they know God. In fellowship with the Lord, you're abiding with the Lord. someone says that they know him and not keeping his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him yeah. I look at that Pastor Don like when we have fellowship here fellowship with the Lord fellowship with the brethren they both are just as essential just as important how in order for us to actually know one another for me to know you talk you gotta be in fellowship not fellowshipping with us, I don't know you. I can't know you because I don't know your life. I don't know what fruit you're bearing. But when you in fellowship, oh, I know Todd. Todd's in the Word. Todd's, he, he's really constant with the Lord. He's consistent with the Scripture because I'm in fellowship with Todd. When Todd's not here, I don't know what Todd's doing with his life. I don't know Todd. You're not spending time with the Lord on a daily basis throughout the week. Not in the word like I'm supposed to. I don't really know the word. Not in fellowship with the word. Not in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not spending time. I'm not abiding. I'm not reading the word. I'm not studying the word. I have fellowship with, with the word. I don't know it. I'm ignorant of it. Because I'm not spending time with it. You got you spend time with us, we get to know you. If you never spend time with us, you never spend time with me or Pastor Don, you never get to know us. 
And so I look at that, Pastor Don, like as essential as it is for us to fellowship with the Lord, to know the Lord, it's just as essential to fellowship with one another, to get to know one another, and to know one another, Amen. to know who we fellowship with. Amen. Yeah, and, and I want you to notice something else that we keep having here in 1 John. You see a lot of that if we say, if we, uh, if we walk, if we say, if we confess, if we say. See, John is going back and forth. You know, like, like if you're doing this or if you're doing this, if you're doing this or if you're doing that. You know, if, if you're sinning, you're doing this. If you're, not, if you're loving him, you're doing this. He's going back and forth, and he kind of seesaws back and forth all the way into the book of, uh, into the second chapter. Uh, for instance, he says, uh, like the verse he was reading, it, uh, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Well, uh, he, verse 4 says, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. See how he goes the other way. Uh, he, he, then another thing will be, be, be brought out. Uh, in, in verse 9, we'll go, and he that saith he's in the light hates his brothers in darkness even until now. Uh, so, but he that loves his brother abides in the verse 10, and the light there's none occasion of stumbling in him. So he's going back and forth with if we say, but he says, you know, but he does. And you, he, he's kind of going it back and forth with, you, with, with people. If you hate him, this is what you have. If you love him, this is what you have. And he's, if you say this, if you say, so he's, he's saying those things to get you thinking like, Okay, this is what I need to be doing. I don't need to be doing if he says this, but I need to do that if he say that. So, but the point with uh, Cedric was saying, verse 3, which is a good place to part, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Does that sound familiar to any other writings that John wrote? It says, if we say that we know him, if, 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 he says, he that's, uh, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How do you know that you know him? How do you know you know him? If you really want to know, man, I want to know if I know Jesus. How can I really know that I know Jesus? Because I've got to know him, right, to make it to, to the kingdom of heaven. So how do I really know <coughs> that I know Jesus? The answer to right there. Boy, that's simple. I'll, I can win the whole world with one verse Amen. to the Lord. Because he says right there, he says, Here, this is how we know we know him. Well, some people say, well, you really know you know him if, if you really feel God. If you really have this emotion and you feel God, or you have a desire. Some people say, like uh, John MacArthur says, the way you know God is if you have a desire for God. Amen. You know, well, the Bible doesn't say you, you know anybody if you have a desire for him. That's not, that, no, having a desire for God is not knowing God, right? Yeah, he, he says, but how does he know that he knows him? Remember John 8, John 14, 21? Turn there, John 14, 21. Because this is the same John that's writing here. So you, you're going to see that John's writings are consistent with what he wrote before. So you go to John 14, and you'll find the same thing that he said there. He's reiterating what he said in the book of John here in the book of 1 John. Remember what he said. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now he says, which was beautiful, he quotes Jesus in John 14. And uh, he says, verse 17, he talks about the spirit, the comforter, and he says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, the world can't receive the Holy Spirit. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Okay, first of all, what he's talking about, the Holy Spirit didn't live in people <coughs> before Christ was crucified and resurrected. The Holy Spirit dwelled with you. He was with you, but he was there, there amongst you. Like Jesus was with them, and that's why he said it's more expedient that I go, because if I don't go, then I, I won't be able to come and live in you. This is the whole thing. This is the mystery of godliness, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory that we talked about this morning in Colossians that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, when, when you come and walk in righteousness, Jesus is saying, listen, the Holy Spirit used to be along the side of you, along your side. Now he's going to be in you. Because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. Cedric and I were talking about some things the other day about being the temple. Okay, the temple, let's, let's take, take the temple back. And I know I'm getting a little away from it, but I want to do this because, for the sake of it because I think it's important. If, if, if you were in the Old Testament and there's a temple, okay, and there's the Holy of Holies in the temple, um, 
if you went and you desecrated that temple in any way, the people would have stoned you to death and God would have killed you. Okay? Now you're the temple of the Holy Spirit where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit reside in you. So whatever you do with this temple, the temple is holy. So keep in mind, whatever you put on it, whatever you do to it, it, it's the temple of God. It's not just a fleshly body anymore. It is a place where God dwells, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in it. So you keep the temple holy. You know, like whatever you do, in, with your body, you have to look at it like uh, this is the temple of God and I have to do it in faith. What do you mean by faith? The Bible says what's not of faith is sin. And if I can't in faith do something with this body, now I'm just going to bring it up too. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm going to let you judge that because you have to judge a lot of things that goes on in your body. And I'm going to just name some things that may not be written in the scriptures that you may want to think about because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do, do, I want to put, uh, do I want to put tattoos on my body? Somebody said, oh, you say it's wrong to say that. I didn't say it's wrong to put tattoos. I'm leaving it to you. If my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I, when I think of that sometimes, and this is just my thoughts, you can throw it out if you want, it doesn't matter. But if you went and put graffiti on the temple of the, of, uh, in the Old Testament of God, you could be in big trouble. I got a question. Did God have a tattoo on his thigh or on God, no. Well, it, when he comes back, it'll be written, but it's not necessarily on his Yeah, it's head. not. A, it's not a, yeah, it's on his vesture, it says. His vesture, which is his... Uh, there an old, which, old Testament scripture about yeah, and I'm not, I'm not getting into tattoos. That's not where I'm trying to go, okay? I don't want to open up that can of worms. Huh? I'm sorry? Okay. The next one would be smoking cigarettes. Do I want to smoke cigarettes? The, the thing that I'm trying to say is whatever you do, you have to do it in faith, believing that Christ is doing it through you. Okay? When I do, when I do something, I have to say, okay, is... is is this Christ doing it? Can I do this in faith, knowing that this is pleasing to God 100%? And that's all I'm saying. Uh, whether you have a tattoo or don't have a tattoo, I'm not going to condemn you. do what you want to do, okay? That's fine. But you have to do, the point I'm making is whatever you do, you have to do it as unto the Lord, not to men. You have to do it as knowing that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just be good. Let us therefore cast off deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Amen. And so there's something that we have to take off. There's something that we have to put on. You know? Take off the old the old man and put on the new. Before I get totally we get totally away, I want to finish this, what I'm doing here in John 14, because again, let me repeat this so we can keep on track. Uh, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That's how we know that we know him. This is the same John that wrote here in John chapter 14 to show you how you know you know him. So we just read in verse 17 that the Holy Spirit, he says, dwells with you, but he shall be in you, which spoke of the resurrection of Christ and of those that would live holy. And he makes it, makes it clear he is, here. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I'm in you. He that hath, hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. 
And he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, not, uh, not Judas, this character, the other Judas, uh, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? He said, this is how I'm going to show myself to you. I'm not going to show myself to the world this way. I'm only going to show myself to you, specifically that person that loves the Lord and keeping his commandments. How are you going to do that, Judas says. Jesus answered and said to him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. No ifs, ands, buts about it. And my father would love him. Here's the key. And we will come unto him and make our home, our abode. He that loves me not, keeps not my saying, does not do my commandments. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. So we see here that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes in and lives, abodes, abides inside of you. That's an awesome thought for me. I, I don't know about you, but it's, it's just an awesome thing. That, and I used to wonder, like, Jesus would say, they said, Lord, don't leave us. Don't go get crucified. I mean, that's what they were saying. Man, we, we, we enjoy you be with you. You can think of what they were saying. You know, I mean, I mean, Jesus, you're right here with us. How much better could it get? And Jesus says, no, it's better. It's more expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the comforter won't come. Then you won't receive, then I and the Father won't be able to come and live in you. But because I'm going away, I'm going to send that comfort to you, to you, and I and the Father will come and live in you and abide there. So some people live their lives like God's in the distance and he's way up in heaven. And you hear, No, the, Jesus said in Luke 17, the kingdom of God is within you. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell within you. You're the temple of the Holy God. And when you pray, you need to be conscious of like, I am in the presence of God. I am in the holy of holies. That's why he said, come boldly unto the throne of grace that you may, may be able to uh, you know, receive those things that you ask for and help, find help in time of need. So because we, we're, in the, we're in the kingdom of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living within you, which is so awesome. But he says, how do you know that you know him? How do you know that you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in you? If you keep in his commandments. Because God, remember we said light and darkness cannot dwell together. If there's darkness in your heart, if there's any darkness left, if there's any sin left, God's not there. Because light and darkness are not going to dwell together. That's why it's so important to live a holy life so, so that you have in communion with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit living in you. Because light and darkness can't dwell together. So that's why he says, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. The same John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. So which one's the liar? The one that says, the one that says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Or verse, or, or, or verse 4 that says, he that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. You see that? So we see with the main thing that John is writing, he's writing the same thing that he wrote in his other, uh, all these other epistles. That if you love him and you keep in his commandments, or if you know him, you keep in his commandments. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are living in you. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, passage of scripture to know that and to live in that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, verse 5. Uh, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. What book you in, brother? Chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2 of what? 1 John. <laughs> Cedric. She's <laughs> 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 <just> funny tonight. <laughs> but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Wow, look at that. When you are keeping the word of God, the love of God is perfected. You want to have perfect love? You keep it in work. I mean, look, look at Romans 13. Go to the book of Romans. Romans 13. Verse 8. He says, Oh, no man, anything. Everybody hear you? 
chapter 14 of Romans, verse 8. I'm sorry, chapter 13 of Romans, excuse me, verse 8. Tell me when you're there. A love loves his brother, uh, loves one another, has fulfilled the whole law. So what is the law? He tells you here, verse 9, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, if there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in the saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So when you love that kind of way, it's impossible for you to sin. So, it's like in, in 1 Corinthians chapter, um, chapter 12, verse 31, the last verse. It's, Paul writes and he talks about all the gifts of the Spirit in the ministry of the Lord, all the different gifts. And he ends it by saying, but yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he gets in, if a man gives his body to be burned and have not love, it profits him nothing. If he gives all that he has to the poor and has not love, it profits him nothing. If he knows all things and understands all mysteries and has not love, it profits him nothing. Because love is the base, you see, because uh, it's faith working through love is the foundation. That's right. And, and by loving, love, well, we'll read it right here. He says here, uh, verse uh, 10, he says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So I can't say I love you, but I'm stealing from you. I'd be lying, right? You know, some people say, well, I, I love you, mom. They got their hand in a purse or whatever, you know. No, you don't really love me. You love my money, <laughs> you know. So that's not love. But when we love one another, it's not going to work any ill to him. If I love Brother Don, and I do love Brother Don, then I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt him. I'm going to just try to bless Don. And we do that a lot with each other. You, you know? love me, you do what I say. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you always Don. <laughs> as long as you say the right thing, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But whoso keepeth his word in him, very little love of God perfected. Hereby know we that, that we are in him. Okay, this is how we really know, Todd, that we're in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as who walked? Jesus, right? Even as he walked. So how did Jesus walk that we would follow that? Uh, go ahead, Braxton. Who committed no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. I'm sorry, say it again. Who committed no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Very good. Where's that scripture at? Uh, That is good, Braxton. That's good. Good word. Braxton said in 1 Peter 2.21 is how you follow his steps, uh, how you walk as he walked. And if you read that scripture, it said that, uh, that we would follow his steps, and the first step was who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he's threatened, he, he did not threaten back. So he but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Very good. Praise God. Oh, man, that's, I like that. Praise the Lord. He's remembering the scriptures well. He's been studying to show himself approved. What a blessing. Very good. Uh, then we go in verse 7. So we're going to take it through as far as we can and, uh, and go from there. Anybody have anything to say on Skype right now? I see Kelly joined us. Welcome, Kelly. Uh, good to have you with us as well. Jonathan, great to see you. Uh, anybody have any comments so far? Everybody understand? Do you have anything to add to it? Praise the Lord. Verse 7 says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you, have, which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have had heard from the beginning. Um, go to, if you would, to uh, John chapter 13, uh, another good one along with this same thing. John chapter 13 and verse 34. John 13, 34, Jesus is speaking. He says here, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's the kind of love. Love one another just like I loved you. What did he do for us? What, what, how did he love us? 
He gave his life for us. So we lay down our life for our brethren. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. One of the last commandments the Lord gave me. So I'm giving you a new commandment. Why? Because that commandment fulfills the law. That commandment fulfills everything. It's all based on love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Isn't that on Galatians 5.14? Galatians 5.14. Yeah. Yeah. Neither circumstances available, but faith which works through love. Is that what you're saying? No, for all the law. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's that's very good. That's exactly what it is, Kelly. Good. Um, okay. I'm sorry. Verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and, and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Thank God, the darkness is past now. You put that behind you. You've crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts and the passions thereof, living in righteousness now. Uh, he that says, that says, here he goes again, he that saith, he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. So if you're saying you, you're, believe, you're a believer and you've got bitterness and, or hate of those things in your heart towards somebody else, you're a liar. You can't have that. Why? Watch this. Go to 1 John chapter, uh, th chapter 3. Um, verse 11. He says, For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his, bro slew his brother. And where, why did he slew, kill him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Um, we know that we have passed from death and life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. So if you have hate in your heart, you're not just in trouble for hating. You are, you've already murdered him in your heart. It's kind of like uh, what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5 when he said that he that looks upon a woman uh, has already committed adultery with her. He that hates his brother is a, is a murderer in his heart. Look at uh, verse, uh, what, we did verse 9, right? Verse 10. Uh, he, we, he that loves his brother abides in the light. And there is... None occasion of stumbling in him. Praise God. He doesn't even stumble. There's none occasion of stumbling in him. Praise the Lord. Amen. I love the book of 1 John. So we'll end, we'll, we'll end there. And... Uh,